Hey folks, this is Jacob from That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures and overanalyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Overmanga Cast. This week we read the one, the only, the still going this many years after its ending, Dragon Ball. Written and illustrated by Akira Toriyama, we read the start of it all, the first hunt for the Dragon Balls from chapters 1 to 23 and... Wait a second... Matt? Yeah, why did we read Super before we read any of the stuff preceding it? I mean, really at this point, why didn't we uh -huh. read it out of percussion orchestra? You know? Right. So, okay. He said it was to torture you, Jacob. I don't really know what I was expecting there, but at least we can cover the actually good part of this all-time classic series now. Enjoy the show. Hello everybody, my name's Sam, and let's see, my experience with Dragon Ball, specifically Dragon Ball, not Z or Super, is extremely limited. The most I've seen is a couple of highlight clips on YouTube, and even then those are from like the old, old anime, uh, and I've never read the Dragon Ball manga, so this was a pretty new experience for me, even if it was with familiar characters. Uh, Jake, I think I already know the answer to this question, but what's your experience with the Dragon Ball manga? <laughs> Actually, this might surprise you. This is the first time I've read the first arc critically. Huh. So I actually noticed a lot of stuff I never really thought about before. Very intimately familiar with Dragon Ball as a whole, but one thing that is pretty well known about this first arc of Dragon Ball is it's very different from the entire rest of the series. Um, even setting aside the like shift between comedy and more serious tone over the course of, you know, transitioning from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z, this first arc is very different. And I'm not going to lie, I skimmed it a lot the times that I've gone through it. So um, definitely not a new experience, but uh, I'm I'm really glad that we did this so that I could, you know, buckle down and actually read this seriously because... I honestly never had before. Okay, Matt here. I have never actually read the manga for Dragon Ball, but Dragon Ball the anime was probably one of the first anime I ever got like really into. And pretty much all of it I watched religiously. Like that was a good chunk of my childhood was specifically the Dragon Ball anime. I didn't actually watch a lot of Z because tonally they were just very different and I wasn't a huge fan of the tone shift. I mean, Dragon Ball's a, a really good anime. They are two very different anime, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. I, I you know, we're probably going to be doing multiple Dragon Ball episodes, but the, the tone shift is definitely going to be interesting, you know, seeing it as it happens. And uh, Jay. Sure. So my experience with Dragon Ball, like most everyone, I'm familiar with the original dbz in our previous podcast did um familiarize myself with super a little bit i recall watching dragon ball on old school toonami so i did watch the anime and i agree there was a bit of a tonal shift i actually gravitated more so towards dbz than dragon ball dragon ball was very much in the background for me and i think it was largely just because of that tonal sh shift, it wasn't really as engaging, I think, as DBZ was. This is my first time reading the Dragon Ball um, manga, and yeah. All right, so we uh, open up on our journey to the West. I mean, our journey to find the Dragon Balls. 
That's the fun thing. This first arc, which incidentally was all Akira Toriyama had planned to do, where our cutoff point was, was supposed to be the end of the series. And it is literally just a direct parody of Journey to the West, which incidentally means that one of our characters that uh, we'll be uh, getting to know over the course of this, Bulma, is actually our Tripitaka, which is sort of interesting. <laughs> Goku, Son Goku, is literally just Monkey from Journey to the West, straight adapted. But the rest of the characters are a bit interesting in what they're, what they're representative of. Yeah, Sun Wukong in all of his completely irreverent glory. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Goku, up until we meet Master Roshi, and even after that, Goku is absolutely my favorite character in this. He is just the most incorrigible little maniac, and he's so much fun. Yeah, it's not like you've got a lot of characters to choose from. That's also true. That's good. It means you get attached to them. Mm -hmm. The first bit is real fun because we get Goku is just living out his little hermit life in the wilderness, and he encounters Bulma in a car and assumes it's some form of monster and beats it in single combat. <laughs> <laughs> where we then quickly learn bullets don't do anything in the Dragon Ball universe because they just ping off Goku's skin. Yeah, the, the Charles Atlas superpowers start from the beginning. And again, later this gets explained by like their chi is like blocking the bullets. That's why their skin is super durable. In this, he's just monkey and monkey is invulnerable. Like that's the reason why it happens. Mm -hmm. He's made out of stone. It's that easy. And I do kind of love the simplicity of this, you know, in a complete 180. The previous thing we did was Dragon Ball Super, which is just its own thing. You can listen to that three hour episode to find out <laughs> what we think about it. But um, this is just so beautifully simple. It is monkey boy meets girl. Go on adventure. Get MacGuffin. It's so charming. Yeah. Like there's a reason why this is iconic. There's a reason why Dragon Ball refuses to die. Goku is, he develops complexity over the course of the franchise and then loses it. See the super episode. His character in this is he's just an innocent, sheltered kid going on an adventure. And Bulma is a very stock character as well. She is, you know, the the greedy, pampered rich girl We've got the 16-year-old girl who wants a boyfriend and in the process of obtaining one is willing to pull herself out across the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we gotta get to that. We have to unpack that a little bit. Well, that's sort of the point I'm making though. Like they're yeah. they're very they're very basic as characters, but they're executed in such a charming way that you can't help but love all of them. Like And it it's weird because this is just so tonally different. The entire time I was reading this, I'd see these people acting like this, and I'm like, man, these people all go to a birthday party to, for someone together? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is sort of interesting, because, like, it's the case where when we first meet Bulma, she explicitly is using Goku and plans on betraying him, and funnily enough, ultimately does actually betray him. But you kind of buy that they're all friends by the end of it. Like, again, that I think that owes to the character simplicity. Like, you know, they are just who they are. And, and whatever, you know, affection they have for each other is because 
they're unapologetically themselves, all their faults included. Well, I mean, that's probably like the journey to the West in, uh, influence there is these people were villains, but now they're friends on the journey together and we completely ignore everything they've ever done. That's why we continue to invite them to our birthday parties ad infinitum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, just the amount of times that Bulma uh, <laughs> talks on Goku is, as Jake mentioned, very reminiscent of Tripitaka just berating Monkey and Monkey not caring. I, I just can't help but laugh at the idea that Bulma is supposed to be the Buddhist monk. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when she finds out Goku has the MacGuffin that she wants, she's like, oh, you want to peek at my panties, huh? And he's like, why would I want to look at your butt? <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, we talk about like tone. It's it's always been a fighting action series, but the comedy is way more emphasized. Its tone shifts gradually over time. Each subsequent arc gets a little bit more balanced between serious and funny you know there's action scenes in in this first arc but like because goku is still just monkey and he can just one shot everything it it sort of lives or dies on its humor that i've always found amusing is that the very first joke in the story is bulma says these are dragon balls and goku's response is you mean some poor dragon <laughs> yeah, but the humor is not complex. It is no, uh, it's not. It is dick and poop jokes <laughs> all all the way down, and so unapologetic about like it's like the characters. It's so simple, but it's so charmingly executed. You can't help but like giggle at it. Yeah, yeah, you giggle at it. It's just so. The first like little bit they have ends with Bulma being rescued from a pterodactyl and peeing herself in fright, and that's the joke. <laughs> yeah. And Goku's yeah. like, all's well, all's well that ends, ends well. <laughs> what is well about me wetting myself? <laughs> can, can we also just point out, I like the idea that um, this chapter confirms for the Dragon Ball universe that those dinosaurs are completely sentient. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, and they get <laughs> slaughtered a lot. I think in an early episode of Dragon Ball, like, I think, no, or I think it's DBZ. Like, Goku's out hunting or something and ends up talking to a T-Rex or something it's the situation where the dinosaurs are exactly as sentient as they need to be circa the dinosaurs are as sentient relative to how little violence is done upon them like the pterodactyl <laughs> could presumably have lived but the ones that get decapitated never really say anything yeah it, it's it's very dragon ball that it's like it's world building that you're not supposed to think about just yeah people and dinosaurs live side by side but the only ones who actually encounter them is if you live in the wilderness <laughs> yeah, this is a very fantasy situation. We also have super space technology because it's convenient for the plot. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we also know that a lot of animals talk because Goku Goku will just randomly talk to an animal and then we meet a turtle. A sea yeah. turtle in the uh, middle of the woods. Yeah, he got yeah. lost. Yeah, that happens. He's been lost for a thousand years or not a thousand. <laughs> it's something ridiculous. No, he said like a year or something. It's an insane amount of time. It, it is an unreasonable amount of time for a turtle to be lost in the woods. Yes. But uh, thankfully, Goku is a helpful chap. And so he backpacks the turtle all the way back to the sea with his amazing monkey boy strength. And then we meet <laughs> the the uh, the inestimable Muten Roshi. The amazing <laughs> turtle hermit. <laughs> the dirty old turtle hermit. <laughs> He's an inspiration to me. I, lo I love Roshi so much. 
<laughs> One of my favorite things is that uh, he, he's got like a total of three teeth to his name, unless he's using the super form. Not only does his key bring back his muscles, but also <laughs> his teeth. But we are, we're not quite there yet. So basically, they've already found one Dragon Ball. That was Goku's and... Bulma had two to start with. Yes. Yeah. You know, Dragon Ball's sort of legendary for all the filler. That's basically all the anime is doing because the manga is very, very quickly paced. Which, good. Yeah. 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 Very good. We completed an entire quest for the Dragon Balls in 23 chapters. I would argue not in this chapter, but the manga does get too quick paced at times. Yes. I really want to see like a definitive version of Dragon Ball speeds up the anime slash slows down the manga a little bit. But like for this one, when there's honestly not a lot of complexity to it, it's just introducing you to a bunch of quirky, fun characters. The quick pace works very, very well for that because there's not really that much you really need to linger on. I feel the first 12 episodes of the Dragon Ball anime actually probably fit that description pretty well because it's pretty much only one chapter per episode, roughly. And that's actually the problem, because when you start to get chapters that are literally just a fight between Goku and a villain and that gets stretched out into a whole episode or the cases where the anime had caught up with the manga, that's where the filler starts to become a problem. Well, yeah, but that's not the first 12 episodes. Right. Which is this arc, which at the very least, the anime evens out some plot points with um, the fact this is called the Emperor Pilaf saga, despite the fact he appears in one chapter. <laughs> Two? I think it's like the last three, but... Yeah. It is like the last three, but still. You know, I was kind of amazed at how quickly so many Dragon Ball staples were just immediately established. Mm -hmm. Because this is like chapter three or four, and it's like we've got Bulma, we've got Goku, we've got the Power Pole, we've got Roshi and Turtle... And we've got uh, the Kinto, the Flying Nimbus. I love why Master Roshi gives that up. It's like, I'm too much of a dirty old man to use this. This is worthless to me. How's this garbage, kid? Yeah. It's not even that. He's like, uh, here's this amazing magic cloud. Let me show you how to use it. But you have to be pure of heart and whoop right through it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and Turtle's entire reason for existing is wagging his little flipper at Master Roshi for being such a dirty old man. I feel so sorry for Turtle. Well, I mean, Roshi was already going to help them having rescued Turtle, but I forget. Well, no, he was only going to help um, Goku for rescuing Turtle. Right. Because Bulma didn't do anything, and Turtle yeah. said so, which is true. Bulma very loudly says, well, actually, I got you that salt water, but Goku did all the heavy lifting. As usual. Literally. <laughs> he, he carried Turtle. And uh, when, I, when I mentioned that, you know, the, the famous YouTube clips, the very famous moment of Goku learning how girls work. <laughs> Wait, did he actually yeah. learn how girls work? Bulma, your balls are missing. Yeah. <laughs> he learned a very important part about how girls work. But that's not how they work. This is going to turn into a deep philosophical meet. Like <laughs> At least how to identify them on. But touch. Pat Pat. Yeah. Sam. Do you know how girls work? <laughs> <laughs> An excellent, more than Goku, I'll say that much. Pat Pat. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Roshi's like, all right, just if, I'll help you if you flash me your panties. And Bulma's like, oh, God. Yeah. Fine, whatever. <laughs> that is impossible. I find fault with that scene because there is no way you would forget you didn't have any panties on. She rode a moped. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of times Bulma acts 
not as I think a 16 year old girl word, but as a caricature of a sex crazed 16 year old girl, a mangaka wrote would. Which is also the joke, though. Like It's a case where, yeah, that's probably a blind spot of Akira Toriyama's. He's even said as much. But also in this case, he's actually using it to his advantage. And I doubt he could just go to a like cafe and say, you know, ladies, do you think you would ever forget that you're wearing no panties? (laughs) Oh, well, you think a curatorium has ever talked to a woman? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, now I'm legitimately curious that he's married. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, Bulma gets back at Goku, even though they got a Dragon Ball, by shooting him with an Uzi. And the bullets yes. bounce off again. And, <laughs> and it does nothing. It does hurt. It stings a little. Like, that's... <laughs> It's sort of funny that like Bulma makes the comment next time I shoot to kill. It's like, yeah, okay, like you could do anything to monkey over here. Well, I mean, but like the next chapter, we get um, Oolong's magical little hostage village and they knock on a door and Goku gets an axe shattered against his head. Against his skull. Yeah. (laughs) What an inconvenience. It's very inconvenient. You guys like, oh, you're not the demon. Sorry, I kind of went crazy there. And Bulma's like, if I was the one who opened that door, I'd be dead. Yeah, because good thing you were. <laughs> and man, I love how they just, um, Oolong's keeping this village like terrified and is stealing all the young women away. And he gets forgiven for that pretty. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> greatly. <laughs> well, they find out he's kind of pathetic. So yeah. <laughs> see, the thing is, I don't know that the village forgave him so much as that they knew that Bulma and Goku were taking him away yeah. as a prisoner. Oh, so no. I meant Bulma and Goku forgave him pretty quickly. That being said, uh. they did force feed him laxatives. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Which are apparently sound activated. Sound activated <laughs> laxatives. That's I, the worst. I don't like the fact that Capsule Corp makes this product. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not sweet tarts, they're sweet trots. Yeah, like when you hear "swee," you get the trots. <laughs> I'm just Capsule Corp makes a product to give people diarrhea on sound command. Bulma's not a good person. No, she's very much not. He comes from a family of supervillains. I think that's established. This but... is this is getting into like recent like retcon continuity nonsense trying to explain Dragon Ball's quirkiness. So, but there's stuff about how like a later arc villain, the Red Ribbon Army, is basically exactly like Capsule Corp in every way. It's just Capsule Corp one and one of the main characters is, you know, the daughter of the founder of that company. Like they basically are just supervillains. So basically that was the entire Oolong arc. It's literally he shapeshifts and it's it's all a gag, really. Oh, what a man. Yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) Bulma's a little hussy. Uh, And (laughs) Bulma sees him as a giant terrifying demon and hides. Go get him, Goku. Go get him, Goku. Uh, Goku uh, cross-dresses, and this is apparently enough to convince Oolong that this is a young girl, not a monkey boy, right up until Goku pees on a tree. (laughs) I I realize this entire chapter is just a Bugs Bunny episode. It really is, is, yeah. In order to uh, impress his bride, air quotes, Oolong transforms into (laughs) into a handsome looking guy. And Bulma's like, kicks open door, runs out. (laughs) Tells him her bra size. like Nothing else. That's how you (laughs) introduce yourself to your date now. That's what I'm saying about she doesn't act like a person. She acts like a caricature. And it's hilarious. It's It's amazing. 
there's no point in discussing this arc. It's mostly a gag. We go now to the arc that explained to me why Yamcha gets made fun of constantly, because this is literally the only time he was useful. And even <laughs> then, not really. <laughs> and he wasn't even useful. He's an antagonist. <laughs> He's very explicit. He's very explicitly not useful to the group, except unintentionally. The fights with Yamcha are the first times that you get to see, like, like the fight choreography uh, on display that oh, yeah. uh, Dragon Ball would get yeah. famous for. Because, yeah, Goku smacks Yamcha around a lot, but, like, Yamcha holds up. Well, the first the first fight is because Goku's starving from hunger, which, as goes on to be shown in cliche, if the protagonist is hungry, they aren't invincible anymore. Yeah, yeah, Goku got codified a lot of tropes. I also like the moment where Yamcha bounces off of the panel. Yep. Yeah. And breaks it. <laughs> uh, the fourth wall does not exist in the first arc of Dragon Ball. But Goku very um, temporarily becomes a sidereal exile and <laughs> uses the panel God into his it. advantage. Um, but um, Oh, the, the amount of times that just the characters... Well, for one, Toriyama-san appears in the manga at one point, climbing a tree. And then there's characters blatantly referencing Toriyama's other works. I can't help but agree. I don't care that he's a villain. I can't help but agree with Pilaf. Let's not reference Dr. Slump. The less <laughs> I have to interact with Dr. Slump, the better. That's a whole other matter. But back to Yamcha, like even in the fight where Goku beats him in a page, it's still a good fight. Yeah, they're good fights. I think the problem I have with them is you still get the paneling is done as if it's a gag manga. And we don't get like the better paneling he's known for with like yeah. the because again it's it's a gag manga right it's now it's, it is manga. strictly a comedy the and, action is a joke yeah, yeah and you see you see shades of what it will become though I can't help but point this out Goku claims he's fourteen and this isn't really a spoiler later we'll find out that he actually can't count past ten because he uh, only got the education that his grandpa gave him and otherwise have been living alone. And um, but once he gets oh, an education God. from Rochi, um, he realizes that he's actually 12. Goku as a 12 year old knows to use technique. And yet Goku and Super had to be reminded that he's a martial artist, not just a guy who lifts weights and punches things. And that's really <laughs> cool. Can we focus at what a terrible parent Grandpa Gohan is a lot of the time? <laughs> okay, Grandpa Gohan was dead for the majority of what would have been his pa uh, parenting his of Goku. Years. Yeah, that just makes the time he was alive even worse. Or they never say when Gohan um, actually died. Because the thing is, I don't think Toriyama had planned out that Goku killed him. No, he definitely did not. Yeah, they said that they're going to keep that a, their own secret between them. I think Toriyama, from like a mangaka point of view, that thing at the end where it's revealed, like the big twist, comes out of nowhere and feels like it was just like, oh yeah, his grandpa's dead. Like that. Toriyama did. does that a lot. <laughs> Is he an alien or something? That wasn't <laughs> foreshadowing. That was serendipity. I know. Yeah. But anyway, we're we're on Yamcha. We're get, we're getting off track here. Yamcha. Golden tries boy. to rob them um yeah he is a bandit in the desert is there another uh dragon ball in that arc or is it just no, this is before the dragon balls they just see a bunch of like rich people or like gotcha so basically yamcha steals all of their capsules right he tries to but no the reason they didn't have capsules was because Bulma randomly dropped them in a river yeah 
<laughs> Bombs and confidence. They had no capsule. I, I love how that keeps like there's a constant back and forth between this where Bulma has all this cool stuff. No, she doesn't. It's okay. Someone else had cool stuff they weren't talking about until now. <laughs> like we get with Oolong's RV. I had it for emergencies, like when we lost the capsules before and had to trek through the desert and almost died. Well, like the, <laughs> the reason why is just like, hey, maybe we could set up some pervy scenes inside an RV. Well, he had it like this feels like this is written chapter by chapter. Oh, it very much was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's the case where it's not something that really comes up meaningfully in this first arc. But starting from the arc after this onward, just like with Yu-Gi-Oh! being written by the seat of Kazuki Takahashi's pants, yet still being very cohesive and consistent by the end of it, Dragon Ball was also written chapter by chapter, and Akira Toriyama's pretty famous for just pulling twists out of his rear end. And yet, I swear, at least at a subconscious level, he knew what he was doing, because... Probably deep in his conscious. Oh, definitely. <laughs> probably more he's just got an instinct to like work his way out of a jam that's not necessarily indicative of like a well-planned story which that's a instinctively knowing a story is a skill i'm not going to discredit it. and that's yeah. kind of what i'm trying to say is that toriyama is a very particular kind of writer this first arc is very different from the rest of dragon ball but you can really see you know what it becomes the shades of what it becomes in this this moment is the start of a rather consistent trend of they get a car for roughly a chapter and a half, sometimes two and a half chapters, just and then it gets time. exploded. Yeah, just <laughs> enough time to drive somewhere. Doesn't it get exploded and then Yamcha drives up and says, hey, by the way, here's another car. I'm going now. <laughs> Basically, yeah. The, the first time they that Bulma loses all her capsules is she randomly drops them in a river for no reason <laughs> like it's 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 very like sort of hand wave that oh we need to get rid of all the toys so that we can get to the next gag we need to set up why they're starving in the desert let's get rid of all the cool stuff we said bulma had and then oolong had a an emergency capsule that he didn't use until, until after they had already dealt with yamcha once so that's their car for a while they're going through the desert with this um rv and then Yamcha blows up the car, but this time he fights Goku at full strength, and Goku, Goku is monkey. He monkeys all over Yamcha. He clowns on him hard. <laughs> and Yamcha decides that, okay, what we're going to do, he says this to Poir, Poriyama likes characters in pairs, so Yamcha and Poir, which is also funny because Oolong is Pigsy, Yamcha is Sandy, and Poir is the dragon horse. Because <laughs> again, this is, all just, this is all just Journey to the West. Which incidentally, the dragon horse in this version actually has a personality, so that's a thing. And, and does something. Poir is Yamcha's companion, a shapeshifter like Oolong, and they have a rivalry that never goes anywhere because... Yeah, yeah, Oolong bullied Poir in uh, preschool. I thought it was shapeshifting school. Shapeshift. It is as meaningful as that. Yeah. Poir and Yamcha give Bulma and company a new car. By this point, we've learned that Yamcha's motivation is he wants to steal the Dragon Ball so he can wish away his fear of girls because his greatest wish is to get married, but he's terrified of women. Whereas Bulma's wish is for the perfect boyfriend. Again, she's our Tripitaka. <laughs> What's the Christmas story about exactly that? Oh, you wish to be not afraid of women? I wished for the perfect boyfriend. Bulma had been knocked out when Yamcha destroyed their RV. Like he shot their tire out and it crashed and 
Bulma hit her head. So after Yamcha loses to Goku, he comes back and is like, oh, sorry, water under the bridge. Here's a new car for you. And there's a tracker in the car that Yamcha uses to follow them uh, to the location of our next arc. Yeah, because Yamcha's grandmaster strategy is, okay, I'm too scared of the girl. I can't beat the monkey boy. And apparently that shapeshifter is clever enough to outwit Poir, by which I mean they're both idiots. They're uh, both I'm exceptionally stupid. <laughs> I'm going to wait until they do the hard work of getting all the Dragon Balls, and then I'm not sure how, but I'm going to steal them. He really does do a, a step A, step question mark, step C profit kind of a plan. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still the best plan we see in the series because we don't have the anime version of Emperor Pilaf. So. <laughs> Correct. We'll get to that. <laughs> we go to Ox King, master of Fry Pan Mountain. I, I very much enjoyed the Ox King. I wish Toriyama didn't have such a vendetta against Chi Chi because Chi Chi and Ox King are so much fun. I like them a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how this chapter confirms Goku uh, funds his family with um, stolen war money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's not yeah. untrue is the thing, because the next uh, Dragon Ball is in the Ox King's treasure hoard, which is at the top of an ever burning mountain that has which, been on fire for, for like 10 uh, years. A, a long time. I thought it was less than 10 years, but they're not very clear on it. it it's recent enough that Chi Chi remembers living in the palace, but long enough that it's become a regional legend and altered the ecosystem. It's long enough that I questioned the length of time considering Chi Chi's age. I'm like, wait, mm. what? Yeah, it, <laughs> it wasn't too. thought very hard about. Not to say that it was intentional, but that is very Dragon Ball where it's like, don't think about it. It's just fun. We need an over manga cast counter for the number of times I point out numbers don't make sense in the monk. <laughs> <laughs> that number doesn't seem like it's to the right scale. Just a little <laughs> every time that happens. We uh, meet the Ox King who uses his giant bulk and, and martial prowess to uh, raid people and steal their treasure and beat up people that come onto his land. <laughs> you know, it, it is worth noting I'm pretty sure he did, like, steal his treasure in his hoard. The manga never explicitly states that he hurt anyone that wasn't trying to steal his stuff. It's pretty clear where he got it from, though. Yeah. That is some amazing justification, Jacob. It's, no, that's just a devil's advocate moment, <laughs> no, because it, yeah. Yeah, he definitely did steal all of that crap. Master Roshi reprimands him for it. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah. yes. That, that is the most confirmation we get. Yeah, it really is wants to Ox King wants to clobber them for having come to uh, steal his stuff. But then Goku flies technically down. They are there to steal something that is in his treasure hoard and is extremely valuable. So true. It's not wrong what he's, you know. Well, that's another thing. Does he know it's extremely valuable? Because we get a running theme that people have no idea what the Dragon Balls are. When they ask if he has the Dragon Ball, uh, he's like, what's a Dragon Ball? And then they physically describe it. And he's like, oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, I, I remember that. Model. I think the way that the way that people talk about it, I think Roshi had absolutely no idea. He thought it was just a shiny rock. Whereas I think Ox King has a vague idea that like there's some there, there's something magic about it. There's something special about it. So I'll keep it in my treasure room, but does, doesn't really know what it is. Because I think the only people who actually know about the Dragon Balls besides Bulma, who tells Goku and then Goku tells everybody else, is Pilaf. Yeah, and he's done nothing to look for them in the monk. 
I think he has a, a a faulty radar or the radar isn't as high resolution as Bulma's. And it's the case where it's like, that's the kind of thing that I wish that the manga had, but it doesn't. The manga has, we needed a big bad at the end of this um, children's story, but yeah. we didn't do any foreshadowing for that. And anyway, in order to put out the fire on uh, Fry Pan Mountain. Which, another little uh, Journey to the West reference, Goku can't stand the heat of the fire. And that's like the one thing that can beat Monkey, even if it is a very special fire. They need to put out the fire, and Goku bumbles down when uh, Bulma and Oolong are trying to lie their way out of getting murdered by the Ox King. And Goku's like, hey guys, I'm from the castle up there. <laughs> yeah, I could get into the castle to steal the thing we're looking for. Goku! <laughs> but Goku uh bumbles his way into mentioning that uh oh yeah son gohan's grandson and i know muten roshi and oh. king's like wait my old invent the old invincible master i trained under and my fellow pupil it's because ox king recognizes the magic cloud no it's, right he, he, he recognizes the cloud and asks where goku got it from mm -hmm. that's when he mentions muten roshi but ox king puts it together that um goku is son gohan's grandson because he recognizes both the new way bow and the tail mm -hmm. because he knew that the new way bow was gohan's and he remembered gohan mentioning that he had adopted a grandson who had a tail does that mean gohan talked more to ox king than to master roshi because master roshi had no idea who he was master roshi didn't even know um gohan had died mm -hmm. yeah master roshi is the turtle hermit so it's not like he's going to be in that much direct contact with people and Ox King sort of implied through his dialogue that he hadn't spoken to Roshi in a long time either. He didn't even know where Roshi was. Mm -hmm. Because when he realizes who Goku is, he asks Goku to go to Roshi and, retrie and retrieve the Bansho Sen. Yeah, the, the magical fan, which can summon great storms and a couple of waves of it so that we can get a huge rainstorm to put out this fire. Uh, and, you know, Goku goes off to, to find Roshi. Um, meets Chi-Chi along the way, um, accidentally gets engaged because of Pat-Pat. Wait, we're, we're <laughs> skipping best fight in the manga where Yamcha, Yamcha knocks Chi-Chi out. <laughs> it, like, it's one panel, I think. He just hits her back and knocks her out. And this person's invited to her birthday. <laughs> That's immediately after Chi-Chi yeets the weird Kirby Cutter boomerang thing on her hat and decapitates a tyrannosaur and then blows it up with a laser from the same helmet yes oh my god that that is literally just what cutter kirby uses that that has to be a dragon ball reference then doesn't it probably or, maybe, or they could also just both be referencing the same thing actually that's that's also possible but dragon ball is definitely older than kirby because this arc especially early 70s like this made a lot of tropes Unless this is some Japanese thing that's so deep cut that we gaijins don't know, then the Kirby thing definitely is a reference to Dragon Ball. But the other thing that they're the kinds of jokes I normally don't like, but something about the way they're delivered, I just find funny. Poir asks Yamcha why, hey, why didn't that girl uh, scare you? And we should we should explain the Chi-Chi from Dragon Ball Z is not the Chi-Chi that we meet here. She's the, sa she's the same size as Goku. She's a 12-year-old in an armored bikini with a funny hat. And Yamcha immediately responds to Poir's question with, what, do you think I have a Lolita complex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take me for? <laughs> but yeah, Goku finds Chi-Chi 
like before he met Bulma, the only human being he had ever interacted with in his life was his grandpa Gohan. Who he slept on his crotch as a pillow every night. (laughs) Because Grandpa Gohan was a good man who's never done anything weird. (laughs) I didn't say he wasn't. So Goku, like visually, he can't identify men from women. And his method is to, he's learned from his adventures with Bulma that girls don't have balls. So he just pat-pats where the balls would be. And if he doesn't feel anything, then that must be a girl. I really like that joke. Just that's legitimately one of the times Toriyama's humor that's very hit or miss hit on me was um, Chi Chi going, oh, my, I've been deflowered. I guess he must be my true love. And I'm like, hilarious. Chi Chi comes across as maybe not quite as sheltered as Goku, but definitely in the same ballpark. And she's also a she's also a 12 year old princess. Of course, she's going to have you know, crazy out of this world ideas on what, you know, getting pat patted would in, would involve and uh, subsequently lead to. The thing I never noticed, though, King was on board with um, giving Chi Chi to Goku as a yep. wife. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's the situation where could develop into the Chi Chi we see at the 23rd Tenkaichi Badokai. There is a way to develop Goku and Chi Chi's relationship to make it as genuine as we see it on the rare occasions when we see it after they're already married. I I think one of the biggest downsides we get from where the series ended up was um, just reading this. Chi Chi had the exact same upbringing Goku did short of being a weird monkey space alien of which I'm not sure how much is canon at this point other than him just being invulnerable. Chi Chi was raised by a famous student of Master Roshi the majority of her life, I don't think she went to school. They've been exiled from their home for. Yeah, the thing the the big difference between Goku and Chi Chi is that Goku literally never interacted with other people, whereas Chi Chi not only had her father, but it is implied that like he is the ox, like he is the king of that area. So like there are other subjects that he doesn't raid because they are his subjects. It's a bit of a red oni blue oni with the two of them where Chi Chi is hot headed, whereas Goku is a lot calmer. Like he's he's very willing to fight, but he's also not the type of person to throw a punch without asking questions first. Like he'll usually ask a, a stupid question. And Bulma would say, yes, they are robbing us. Punch them now, please. At which okay. Will. Like, I like their dynamic. But the thing is, Toriyama hated Chi-Chi. Like, there's there's no two ways around it. He didn't want to write her, so he didn't. And also, let's be honest. In what we read, there's not much dynamic. It's of it's two of, pages, of, probably total. It's a it's a matter yeah, of I see. I see the potential of a dynamic is but anyway, they uh, they arrive at uh, Kame House, which chillest place in all of anime. <laughs> I would hang out at the beach at Kame House. The fate of the Bansho Sen. Oh, actually, this is the other case where a joke that shouldn't have made me laugh made me laugh about how um, Chi Chi's name doesn't necessarily mean much to us Gaijins, but um, for Japanese speakers, it's basically the equivalent of boobies. It's a kitty version of the word breast. And and Roshi and Roshi's like, huh? One of them has Chi Chi's, and the other one is named Chi Chi. How does that work? <laughs> I guess that means there's two Chi Chi's. No, wait, three. 
<laughs> yeah, that that was another part where Toriyama's humor missed me, and it just became more groan-inducing because I had to read the translator's note that <laughs> reiterated the joke I didn't think was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much a case where that's fair that you didn't find it funny. I shouldn't have either. I just did. Yeah, for me, it was more like, huh, that's um, weird ox king named his daughter that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was basically my extent of that. But um, really what we're getting is the students of Master Roshi aren't really good people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but perverts, which like. Because yeah. I mean, given who their teacher was and like this is skipping ahead to a future arc, but Roshi teaches Goku how to read. He uses a very particular set of texts. So mm. it's not that surprising that that Ox King and Gohan maybe weren't exactly wholesome. We do have the we learned the fate of the magic fan. Uh, Roshi had forgotten what it was and he was using it as a potholder and he spilled some soup on it. And so, so he threw, he it, threw out. it away. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Roshi is just like, well, I can just break it anyway. I didn't need that magic fan. Cool. (laughs) And uh, so he decides that he's going to put out the fire himself. Unfortunately, he can't fly Uh, on Katuan. Well, no, he he agrees to put out the fire only after he negotiates with Goku to get uh, in order to group uh, Bulma's chichis. (laughs) So that was fun. And Goku doesn't know what any of this means. Like, he's like, okay, fine, I'll do that. Like, like, that's the thing about Goku. He just agrees to things. And I mean, what Goku knows about uh, Bulma, he'd probably be like, yeah, that seems like something she'd want. She's always asking if people want to touch her dirty butt. <laughs> <laughs> Though my favorite part was uh, Chi-Chi sees, you know, this skinny old dude and is like, this can't really be the invincible old master, right? I better test it by throwing my uh, Kirby Cutter hat at him. And so she goes and throws it uh, like at Roshi's back. And there's this he go- big serious panel of him turning around and putting what? his staff on the pocket. And it cuts through the staff and embeds in his forehead. Because the staff's <laughs> just made of wood. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the invincible old master. The invincible old master would be fast enough to stop that. Nobody's fast enough to stop that. Oh, just you wait, sir. <laughs> I, I just love how this keeps up Toriyama's uh, running theme of weapons are useless. <laughs> None of them do anything. There's a blade embedded in his skull. And then he just puts a bandage on it and he's fine. <laughs> and he's fine. Well, in all fairness, he did drink the immortality elixir. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one where I it's nice that the anime came out at the time that it did, because then it was able to know it needed to retcon that to being the fountain of youth or something like that. Because it was very clear that they intended not to kill, like Toriyama very much originally intended not to kill any characters at all. Yeah. And that doesn't last very long, but, um... Well, in all fairness, the immortality elixir he drank came from his pet phoenix that he... That also died of food poisoning. Yeah, Yeah, he fed cheap bird seed to it, so it's not like it prevents you from dying. (laughs) That's also fair. Yeah, because I I think it was Bulma who asked, wait, the immortal phoenix died. <laughs> really? You can tell we're getting bogged down in the weeds on uh, this part because this is the first uh, like story arc where something happens. I know, right? <laughs> so we should probably move on because uh, we're uh, doing that thing where we think too hard about the world building in a cartoon 
manga <laughs> comic book universe cough cough Hiroaka episodes but uh since no one go back to the intro and remind themselves what our podcast is called <laughs> like how did they get away with baby gamera i had to say it how did they get away with baby gamera i don't understand he's the turtle master of course he can summon turtles how did toriyama not get sued if i if i understand japanese copyright law is you you can either use the name of something and have it look visually distinct or you can use an image of it and call it something else so yeah that's not gamera that's baby gamera yeah, it's baby Gamera, and that's not what Gamera looks like. It looks like Gamera is bigger. Yeah. Because the other thing is, the first time I read the Dragon Ball manga, I didn't actually know Gamera existed. Like, I knew Godzilla. Yeah, so that, but went, so that went right over your head, yeah. You know, ever since I learned about the existence of Gamera, I go through that, and it's like, how did you get away with that? Though, uh, <laughs> I did love uh, the panel of Baby Gamera starts spinning and lifting Roshi in the air. Yeah, R Roshi just Beyblading like, his way. This is the weirdest to... run of Beyblade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets there and immediately starts being. Oh, Sam, I looked it up, by the way. There is a Beyblade manga, so that can go on the list of potential episodes. Oh boy, all the worst nice. parts of Yu-Gi-Oh! and all the worst parts of Pokemon wrapped together. With How do you do a Beyblade here. manga? I want to know. Because <laughs> it's spinning top. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious in a uh, academic sense about that one. But yeah, we arrive back at Frypan Mountain. And uh, it's here where um, if we got hints of what Dragon Ball will become uh, in the Yamcha fight, oh boy, does Toriyama just reach into the future, grab the Vegeta Goku beam struggle and slap us in the face with it as Roshi unleashes the mighty Kamehameha. Isn't that an old Hawaiian and, yeah, king? I, I love how they're stuck with the gag name <laughs> because when it became a more serious series, they're still... Man, this is just a dumb name I thought would be a cool idea for an attack. Also, it means like dynamic turtle beam or something. Turtle destruction wave. Yeah, see, actually, I'm going to defend this because this is something that I really began to understand when I played Dragon Ball Fighters. As much as it's a, a joke name from a gag manga, the way that like the the pacing of the syllables of Kamehameha are perfect for a series like Dragon Ball and specifically what it becomes, because if you look at um, Goku's level three from Dragon Ball Fighters, the Kamehameha, like that pacing of it as it builds and builds and builds and builds, it works for the action series that it later becomes. Yeah, and it does have a great amount of buildup as the old man becomes... A giant beefcake <laughs> with a full mouth of teeth. It's like a lot of like outlines and like empty, you know, it's like not a lot of detailing. And then there's an entire full page spread of Roshi buffed up. And it's like got all of this like intricate line work. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes hard for the uh, for the really sell really selling how uh, awesome and amazing this is. And yeah, it does work as Roshi uses the Kamehameha, which apparently even Poir and Yamcha know about. It's that legendary. And uh, and in the process, uh, <laughs> well, there can't there can't be the mountain can't be on fire if there's no mountain. 
he does put out the fire though that's the important part the fact that the the mansion that they wanted to get back into is now a pile of dust that's immaterial <laughs> he was only asked to put out the fire completely relevant yep he, he, he <laughs> okay. didn't know his own strength that was a big one <laughs> i i love how immediately after that goku's just like man i want to know how to do that and he's just like child no it takes many many years of careful study and then goku just does it <laughs> and blows up the car yeah <laughs> because we can't have a car for longer than like a minute <laughs> and you know it's sort of funny because this is again a case where you know you have gag manga becoming more serious action series and I sort of love that it actually ended up becoming a part of Goku's fighting genius is that he can see a technique and he can mimic it. Like, that's just something that he's naturally talented at. Like, he does this multiple times, and a lot of the most famous moves in his repertoire are things that he mimicked from other people. That sort of, like, builds into, you know, people are given, like, real characterization, and it's not just a gag manga. People actually have, like dynamic character arcs and whatnot an element of goku's personality is he's kind of a fight autist he he knows the practicum of it to a incredible genius level and it was just a joke when he does the kamehameha but like it ends up building into what his character becomes so i love that moment and as serious as all that got, we then end the chapter with Bulma convincing um, Oolong to transform into herself because she doesn't want to pay the old man by showing. It or was by, just by, showing her boobs, right? It was no, just, it, it, it was, was one pat. Ah. It was pat pat. Bulma goes to Oolong and says, OK, you transform into me and do it. And then for some reason, <laughs> this is one of those ones where. Oh, Oolong's, Oolong's doing it to get back at Bulma for, you know, feeding him a laxative. Like, yeah. that, he, he does not like Bulma. No, no, it's yeah. not just that. It's not just the feeding the laxative. It's literally every interaction Oolong and Bulma have had up yeah. to that point that he's getting back <laughs> to her about. So um, Oolong immediately pulls down uh, the dress, uh, the, bun the bunny girl dress, and is like, all right, now put your face between these and poof, puff. Uh, yep. Now... Is that a Dragon Ball reference or is that a? Because I know that's also a thing in the Dragon Quest games. I have no idea. I, uh, I know about that. They're I, both I, they're both Toriyama, so it doesn't matter. But um, he has a very, very recognizable art style. And when he's the one writing on things, you can usually notice. I don't I think, think he writes Dragon Quest. I think he's literally just the character artist for it, but. I think in this case, it's literally just all three people involved in this are perverts. Oolong, Roshi, and Toriyama. <laughs> and it's, it's great, because we get the full description of like, puff, puff, pat, pat. Like all yeah. these just vulgar sounding words. And we get Bulma going like, you are ruining my good name. And I'm just like, <laughs> Bulma, You're... no. Bulma, you ruin your good name. Yeah. Bulma, just you acting like you is whoring yourself away. <laughs> <laughs> like don't ask like you have a line here <laughs> you uh, just don't want master roshi because he's a creepy pervert which fair yeah it's sort of funny like when he when he takes his uh the top of his gi off to do the kamehameha he's like this spindly old man and is like not bad for an old man huh yeah whatever and then he gets up on the wall boom <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much but um 
All right, let me uh, summarize the next little bit we have here. <clears throat> and sent a rabbit to the moon. All yeah, right. Like, what was the point of this chapter? <laughs> it's like he had a gag he wanted to do. I they They mention it briefly in the thing, but I actually also looked it up many many moons ago apparently there is a uh old japanese fable about oh, how yeah. there's a rabbit on the moon who makes sweets for children so and he, he just it's just a reference to that it's just okay. a long reference to that i i just love the two unintentional conflicts of uh consequences of this uh chapter in that the dragon ball universe has magic that can turn people into carrots which yes we see again in the boo saga but otherwise those are never mentioned aside from these two instances great techniques because apparently they're not restricted by power level like <laughs> hit uh, yeah <laughs> and um, also the unintentional conflict uh all three of those people died when the moon blows up <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna mention that <laughs> <laughs> the moon gets destroyed on two separate occasions. I, I saw them on the moon and I immediately, uh, in my mind, heard uh, Lanny Pretora Speculo going, Moon! Funnily enough, that's the second time the moon gets destroyed. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's the, very much the case where Toriyama, Toriyama wasn't thinking about continuity. Yeah. Because that happens That happens at the end of, a, of an arc later. So, like, it's, you know... <laughs> So it, mild, he forgot about them. Yeah. Mildly funny tangent. I had this question while reading and I, I decided to look it up. Apparently Toriyama has said, oh, well, they survived because he never commits to anything. But um, there there was a fun fan discussion where someone was refusing to admit those people got blown up uh, because they then just held fast to the point. Whoever said the Dragon Ball world only has one moon. And I'm like, uh, the Dragon Ball manga text itself, where they state there's only one moon. Mm, but do they? There's one moon after it explodes. But maybe there was a second one they never know about. See, see, here's the thing about that. There's a plot point about Roshi blowing up the one and only moon, and it comes back for Piccolo to blow it up later because Kamisama brings it back. Like, it's directly stated in the text. They're they only brought dead. back one moon, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Uh, the only major thing that comes out of the rabbit mob uh, side arc is uh, Bulma's not in the bunny outfit. She's anymore. now in an equally fetishy and... outfit. See, of I a think belly she dancer. was good in that. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's sexy, but I think it's tastefully sexy. It's the rare case where Toriyama draws her taste. You're right. She's not a playgirl bunny. It is mildly taste more tasteful. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I like that outfit. And then we're on to Emperor Pilaf. Who, if you had been under Which... any impression, you would assume was the main villain of this arc. But... I yep. guess just because we're being told they are. <laughs> yeah. And man, seeing adult Mai not in the future getting blown up by Goku Black was oh my, very, every, very strange. Every time adult Mai spoke, I was just like, oh, God, her canonical love interest <laughs> is Goku is Bulma's child. <laughs> Bulma, who yes. is a 16 year old girl when she is like a 32 year old woman, probably not that old, probably like 24. She's probably like 20 something. But like. I remember this is going back to when Battle of Gods was first released because Toriyama did do a lot of work on Battle of Gods. And I remember I saw the Pilaf gang, how like they're all so young and like Mai in the movie states her age at one point. And I'm like, you are lying. You're a decade off. And then I realized, wait, this is before they meet Oob. What is this timeline that's going on right now? I don't understand. Wait, hold on. Are they in the, the, the bit 
of uh, 10 years in the future. Do they reference the Pilaf gang in that? Like, it is such a mess. And like, so why? <laughs> I, I said this in the super episode. I'm OK with them being young. That's something this universe does so frequently at that point. I'm willing to accept they stole an off screen wish like whatever. And Pilaf's dumb enough that I'm willing to accept they wish to be young again. And it wiped their minds. It brought them back to how their minds were when because they, they don't appear to have their adult. It depends on the version, because sometimes they do. That's how messed up Super is. Like, that's the thing. Though, I will say, the Pilaf gang in the anime... Or, I shouldn't even say in the anime. The Pilaf gang in the regular timeline, having stolen an off-screen wish, that's dumb. I don't like it. But it's fine if you want to use them for jokes. Like, I think they're funny here, but not in Super. Regardless, that is less of a problem than my being the same age of same age as Trunks in trunks's timeline because by the time that they could have stolen an off-screen wish the dragon balls had already been destroyed for like 10 years i think i mentioned this as well in the dragon ball super that there is a, a, a like two-page uh manga made that explained why they were young yeah and it breaks the continuity even worse because it has the dragon balls existing like you mentioned that they wanted to revive piccolo with the dragon balls but like piccolo's life was tied directly to the dragon balls if he's dead the dragon balls no longer exist like that's the whole thing <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm just willing to concede it happened. Man, I did not expect this to happen when I made a joke about my. See, the simple fact of the matter is Dragon Ball took itself seriously for so long. I I grew up with, you know, the saga. And so it means that much to me, you know, not to get not to get too serious. But the reason I get so defensive of the good part of Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh is it's literally why I got through high school when I was dealing with depression. Like the theming in both of those stories genuinely touched me and made me a better person. That's why I get so defensive of those two series. And it's the case where, yes, I will concede, as stupid and badly written as it is, Pilaf and his gang being kids in the regular timeline, it's stupid, but it is justifiable. It's my being the same age as Trunks in the future Trunks timeline. That's the one where it's like it breaks everything. And it's like that's not even a matter of not taking it seriously. That's a matter of continuity no longer exists. That's also the worst offender because there is objectively like a canon thing saying how that happened as opposed to the Emperor Pilaf gang is like, just come up with an excuse. I just wanted to draw the characters as cute versions in the back because I missed I missed these characters was really the reason. But anyway, we do see Mai uh, and we learn that, you know, for being a bunch of bunch of freaking nerds, which we'll get to why in a minute, uh, the Pilaf gang actually um, or, or the Pilaf Reich. <laughs> that yeah, the called. Pilaf Reich is what they're called in the uh, which well, that's un that's uncomfortable. Well, no, it's it's because then they can be called the Reich Pilaf because it's a pun. It's rice Pilaf. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! It's uh, another food pun because so, it's Kari Sama. Please. I'm amazed why you didn't pick that up because literally every time the Pilaf gang is mentioned, it's like, oh, you won't serve Pilaf on the side, or like every time his name is mentioned, it's like referring to the fact Pilaf as a side dish. 
I'm, I'm really bad at picking up stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> if it if it's not auditory. So which again, this is the case where it's 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 but, one of Toriyama's food puns and they are supposed to be villains. So, yeah, that's fine. Are it's they? A, it's, from what we see, I want to live take in a, over the world. They live in a big castle. They waited patiently for the Dragon Balls to show up on their doorstep. See, the thing is, the thing is, Pilaf is the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Pilaf will be defeated by his own incompetence. However, he's also the only remotely competent individual in the entire series, or at the very least, minions are. Yeah, I was going to say, they are shockingly effective because they managed to do what Yamcha failed for like several chapters. They see they see our uh, intrepid heroes and immediately just ambush them, take them out, swipe the Dragon Balls and buzz off. And it's great because Pilaf then tries to torture Bulma in order to tell him where the Dragon Balls are. Uh, to get the last one, because there was one on Goku's person and the rest were in the suitcase. Right, right, right. And uh, his ideas of torture, Bulma just laughs at and going like, I thought you were going to ask for something weird and perverted. And he's just like, get away from me, you thought. <laughs> yeah, but he says that he's going to humiliate her. He's he's going to torture her with public humiliation. Are you ready? And then he blows a kiss at her. <laughs> and then Bulma... And then Bulma's like, what did you do? I blew a kiss at you. And my favorite part was my and Shu in the background. Like, he said the K word. <laughs> like, I'm I'm just saying, if Emperor Pilaf became ruler of the world, I think the world would be okay. Yeah, the world would probably be fine. <laughs> Considering not- it's currently ruled by a dog who wished to be king. That wasn't <laughs> revealed in what we've read, but that is canonically the situation. Yes. Did he wish to be king? It's the the ruler of the planet. Is a dog. Is that some like expanded like Toriyama said it in an interview thing? No, it's it's the, it's the reasonable conclusion because the president of the world is a dog person and you get one of the wishes that was made on the Dragon Ball was some dog wished to be king or something. I don't recall that, but I I imagine that like that's not something unreasonable to imagine. So I might have. It's okay. Yeah. The animal people all got retconned out anyway. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, Bulma's like, "Wow, I thought you were gonna like strip me nude and uh, and, then, and like, grope all my and grope all my naughty bits or something." And they're like, "Ugh, you, you, you hussy." There's like a whole list of them. Yeah, she's like, Bulma was prepared to whore her way across the country for these Dragon Balls. I so figured she- you were gonna strip me nude and do a slurp slurp or a puff puff or a pat pat or even a grope grope. Can we point out the fact that the grope grope seems like the least... The least bad. <laughs> she was like, or even a grope grope. And the best part is... Honestly, Pilaf and his minions reaction to that is a perfectly reasonable reaction to someone saying that. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you dirty pervert. What? Who do you think we are? Wait, hold on. Monsters? Are, are, you, are you getting off on this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they so- get locked in a metal box that uh, yep. they are unable to escape. Yeah, at from. first, at first they are in a stone box. This ah, is important. Fair. Yeah, yeah. At first they're in a stone box, and it's like, wait a minute, Goku, you literally know the Kamehameha. Just blast it open, and go. And Goku's like, okay, and he does the Kamehameha, but he's he's only done it like twice, and he's not, uh, you know, later series Goku. So he just drills a little hole in it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they had at one point Pilaf actually gets the last Dragon Ball by uh, sleeping, gassing them when uh, Bulma is too perverted to shame. Yes. And unfortunately, Pilaf went in without his gas mask, so he got knocked out, too. So they couldn't summon the dragon until the main characters had all woken up. Funny that. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) I had forgotten about that. (laughs) Um, And at that point, um, Goku is able to Kamehameha a hole through the the brick wall. Oolong and Huar are able to shapeshift into bats and get outside. The plan is for them to go in and they just need to get one ball away from the away from the little area in order to stop the summoning of Shenron. And they're not fast enough. And and so appears the mighty eternal dragon. And it's sort of interesting because Shenlong as a like plot like as a plot device in this first arc like it is this mighty powerful dragon and he looks really cool he does and then, he looks and then you get to super where he's shoved into the corner because he matters that little i Poor mean that's, long. that's not what super does dbz does that to him what's the one where he there's three wishes and they don't even oh that's in the movies they don't even bother to make the third wish and he's like guys are you coming back <laughs> I, it, it becomes two wishes for the earth dragon at one point and yeah there is a case where or maybe maybe that happens to Perunga at some point but is it um, the saiyan saga actually they're like oh we know, can't wish to you know, kill the saiyans well i they, guess we don't want anything <laughs> they do they do get into okay actually we'll probably cut this but i will explain this they do get into the rules of the dragon balls later in the series and one of the most important rules is if you wish something on a person that is stronger than the dragon and the dragon is as strong as the person that created it if you make a wish uh to for something to happen to a person who's stronger than the dragon and that person doesn't want it to happen it does not happen can only do uh magic on the unwilling who are weaker than it oh so it's okay if the dragon's magic doesn't work on people with higher power levels but hits technique but, not working on okay people. but that that's a mystical magical dragon who needs <laughs> rules in order to fucking make the story work hits is just stupid so that he doesn't one shot jiren because toriyama was stroking jiren's big great that whole arm <laughs> anyway anyway um, I knew that was going to be the reaction. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, no bones about it. The Eternal Dragon's rules are entirely so it doesn't kill the tension of the story. And that's a good thing. Like, you don't want the dragon to literally just wish an arc away. Oolong and Poir don't make it in time. And the Eternal Dragon rises up from the Dragon Balls. And Pilaf. Thanks, Sean or no, <laughs> you're, you're thanks for Sabbath. You're welcome. And uh, so Pilaf, as happens with most villains, uh, or really anybody, is so enthralled by the glory of the dragon that he doesn't immediately just scream out his wish. And so there is one villain who's smart enough to do that, but that's a little bit later. Yeah. So he he uh, says, uh, I wish for and then Oolong flies in a hot babe's panties. And a pair of panties flutters down from the sky onto Oolong's face. Your wish has been granted. Fare you well. 
Little did they know that one selfish wish would create the most evil of all the Nega Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about GT. The mighty Oceanus Shenron. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, yeah. Is it sad that I'd rather watch GT than read more of Super? GT yeah. was good. It just wasn't what people wanted, which is why I, I don't put much faith into fandoms because they don't. You're you're right about that, but it was also really low quality as well. It was. I mean, Super there, was also really low quality. Yeah. That didn't stop people from liking it. Yeah, true. that's also true. So with that amazing swing and roundabout, <laughs> that 10,000 IQ play out of the way. The um, big end goal for this entire manga up until this point. Thrown away. <laughs> yep. No, not thrown I mean, away. Now Oolong has panties on his head. That's important. I love how, depending on the translation, it's either the world's most comfortable pair of panties or just some random panties off a hot babe. I'm not sure which one I like better. <laughs> the thing is, the um, the most comfortable pair of underwear thing is actually from the censored Funimation dub because it's trying to make it less pervy. And then Oolong thinks, which funnily enough, there's no lip flaps. He was this. surprised it was women's underwear. <laughs> so again it's they're both yeah. they're honestly they're both funny in their own way and, and i mean goku got his wish he got to see the dragon through the little hole mm -hmm. he drilled in the wall there quest done goku can go home really except, gift of the magi situation going on here yeah except uh you know somehow they managed to catch par and oolong don't ask me how uh, <laughs> screen they're hyper competent that's how <laughs> they're the only competent people and they're not that bright themselves. And like Yamcha even points out, you call that an escape attempt? Like that's all we get of it. Yeah. And uh, our intrepid heroes are placed inside a now a metal box with a glass roof that not even Goku. It's either three feet or three inch plate steel. Yeah. And not even Goku's amazing uh, titanium skull can break through the, the glass ceiling. The shatterproof glass. Yeah, and we're in the deserts. Where this is very much the case where Goku is as invincible and indestructible as he needs to be for the plot, because you know he's not—he's not the Son Goku from Dragon Ball Z. He's literally just Monkey. Yeah, and uh oh, we're in the desert. The sun's gonna come out and bake us all alive. But guess what? It's the full moon. <laughs> I'm too young to be fried pork. And then Goku just casually mentions, um, "Hey, man, my grandpa always told me never look at the full moon." Then he died after I looked at the full moon. Weird story, right? And then everyone's just like, is, is, did he just admit to being a werewolf? <laughs> what? <laughs> Which was great. Like, I, I knew through osmosis and you know, knowing Jake that Goku finds out about the truth uh, or the truth about how Grandpa Gohan died later on. So I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this totally skipping a bunch of stuff? But no, it turns out Goku's just too stupid to put two and two together and make and come up with dead grandpa. <laughs> I just love how this entire scene after the wish feels like Toriyama had no idea what he was doing. It's like, I got to get out of this so I can start the next arc I want to do. I don't know. He turns into a giant monkey, maybe. There yeah, is, there is one important thing. And I'm not sure if this is a like cultural osmosis thing Japan added to Journey of, to the West because I 
I've never read it myself, but I know there are versions where Son Goku from the Japanese version of Journey to the West does go berserk under a full moon. So I'm pretty sure that's another Journey to the West reference. I don't know if it's like uniquely Japanese or if it's uniquely Japanese culture. That makes sense because One Piece has a group of um, animal people that also are called like Wukong or something that the full moon, they go berserk. Yeah. So like the reason why he turns into a giant rage monkey is entirely because it's another Journey to the West reference. It is very much the fact, though, Toriyama had no idea how he was going to resolve this arc because all of the tension of the story just flew off to the seven corners of the earth. <laughs> exactly. So Goku looks at the moon, turns into the giant monkey form and uh, proceeds to smash up the entire palace. Nobody dies in this process. Okay. Well, that's because I don't think anyone lives in the palace. But <laughs> my shoe and Pilaf, I think, are True. literally the entirety of the Pilaf. Uh, and it's it's definitely not convenient how yeah. they. <laughs> it's definitely not convenient how a, an entire uh, tower smashes into that little uh, prop plane, and uh, they're mildly perturbed by the end of it. That's not convenient. Or how it lands on Bulma, and she's only uh, <laughs> she's only stuck. stuck. Yeah, she's only dramatic damsel stuck. So can I point out my favorite part from this entire rampaging ape bit yeah. is when he rips open the tower and it is revealed that Emperor Pilaf, Mai, and Shu all share a bedroom. And in fact, what appear to be equally sized beds with Emperor Pilaf, his status as emperor only being designated as his headboard is slightly larger. And yes. I'm like, that's the kind of person I want ruling the world. That is a fair <laughs> emperor. I yes. never thought about it, but the more you talk about it, the more I realize maybe Pilaf should have just gotten his wish. Yeah. No, <laughs> nothing I've read, and maybe it gets worse, probably not, but everything I've read in this manga, he's a little more evil in the anime, but in the manga, seems like a great guy. I'd vote for him. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like uh like a little nerd. He's he is great. probably one of the smartest people in the Dragon Ball universe. Competent individuals in the Dragon Ball universe. Cause yeah, me me with my encyclopedic knowledge of the series. It it ain't get it ain't get better than this. He's like brain from Pinky in the Brain. Like he's kind of harmless. Him ruling the world doesn't do anything. Is he smarter than Final Form Cell? Wait, does Cell get smarter? No, he just gets fighter power. Eh, Cell is way too complicated a to topic to because to I into, have yeah. I have sauce for Cell, but for time's sake, we're gonna save it for when we get there. All right, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, in the end, everybody got what they wanted. Goku got to see a dragon and go on a fun adventure. Uh, Bulma and Yamcha realized that, uh, wait a minute, the thing I wanted was right in front of me. We're a happy couple now, and we're going to move to the city. Um, Oolong uh, didn't get what he wanted, but uh, at least he's not getting sweet sweet anymore. <laughs> and proceeds to decide, I guess I've got nothing better to do. I'll go hang out with a person who kept me hostage for two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's he going to do? Go back to the village that he tormented and now they know. You're his... right. U Oolong doesn't have a lot of options. Yeah, he, he even says as much. Oh, I... and and Goku goes off to train with the old turtle turtle hermit. We forgot the best part. Yamcha cut off Goku's tail. He, that he did. 
favorite parts from this moment. We get so many shots of the scale of uh, Ozaru Goku. Um, and like he is the size of this like 200 foot tall castle or whatever uh, for so many shots. And then there's the shot of uh, Yamcha holding on to Goku's yeah. tail where he seems like he's maybe 15 feet. You don't understand. Yeah. Yam Yamcha revealed his secret technique of being able to grow incredibly in size. <laughs> That's the only way this makes sense. <laughs> I, like, I, I, it's one of those ones where it's like, I love Dragon Ball. I don't want to complain, but I can't help but notice it. There's just no excuse. That's just such a bad panel composition. Yeah. No, this, uh, this entire ending screamed of someone who is just, I don't care anymore. Just end. I don't want to deal with this arc. Which is actually funny because the, the like, of this arc, the final little like scroll narration box you know that that was originally going to be the end. The way it's all framed is like that's the ending of the entire story. And indeed, originally, that was the ending. Toriyama wasn't going to go any further than that. This was supposed to be a fun little side project that didn't go anywhere. But oh boy, did it go places. <laughs> and now here we are many, many years later. <laughs> and better or worse. Or worse, yep. Here is an interesting question. We haven't gotten to what I would consider... Actually, no, I suppose with Super, we got a pretty good mix of attempts at being serious with, you know, Blackarot and the future Goku nonsense. But we have a very, very silly, you know, pure comedy in Dragon Ball. We've all experienced at least a little bit of Dragon Ball Z where it takes itself primarily seriously and then there are also cases where you know you have something like the ginyu force which has real stakes but it's also the ginyu force it's a super sentai reference <laughs> what do you think dragon ball is best at do you think it's good at the funny do you think it's good at the serious or i don't want to say serious because it's still it's still yeah, yeah. a pretty light series but do you think it's good at the funny the fighting or do you think it's at its best when it does a little bit of both i'll start that off and say i'm going to be the one who says, I think there needs to be a mix because that's where it kind of fell short for Dragon Ball for me. Like I was saying earlier when I prefaced that Dragon Ball was really kind of in the background for me. I was more engaged when I was watching DBZ. So I would say that there would have to be an engaging fighting arc, you know, intense power level references, punch ex exchanging blows, all that. And, you know, insert gags every once in a while. A little comic relief is always good. But the constant comic relief really, it doesn't hold my attention. I, I think I'll side with Jay here. Um, even though I love Dragon Ball, probably even more than DBZ, I felt what we read was too much Toriyama comedy. And it mm. may, maybe it's not meant to be marathoned like we did. Like, maybe this is better if you're reading it once a week. It's a little dose of funny, but all at once it was... It was too it was too much of the same joke. It was tiring by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going to have to go for as well. And uh, for me, Toriyama's humor is already very hit or miss. Bulma peeing herself is not that funny. Yeah. There were a few jokes that had me rolling. Toriyama's humor uh, just doesn't get me sometimes. But 
Probst always does. So I would lean a bit heavier on the fighting side with the occasional gag thrown in to remind us, yeah, no, this is Son Goku. He's a he's a little nut job and he's uh, delightful. He's having that. a good time. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think I I think I'm in agreement. And basically, in my experience with the Dragon Ball fandom, there are some people who prefer post arc one to 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai Dragon Ball, which is leans on the funny but has good action and then there are other people who prefer something more like uh the namek stuff which has the funny things like uh zarbon or the ginyu force but it mostly takes itself seriously and i personally am in that latter category i actually also like dragon ball when it ditches the funny almost entirely because my favorite arc of the franchise is big old grand finale with cell you know i mean i this is the first time i read the 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 pure funny closely and you know the jokes are hit and miss but i kind of forgot how much this series can make me laugh at times but honestly like the stuff with yamcha was one of the most engaging parts for me because it was brief and it maybe didn't have the best panel composition but it was still a a really good fight uh jay how about you start us off with favorite character of the bit we read i'm gonna give pretend you know nothing else <laughs> okay um but i do because i know dbz so i know <laughs> but um my favorite character is what we read i'm gonna have to say goku just because he's just oblivious pumpkin head and he's just uh i just want to shake him sometimes but it's just so adorable <laughs> um, I, I feel Obama's <laughs> frustration, but I love it. Um, <laughs> my, my second favorite character, unfortunately, is Yamcha. <laughs> yeah. Yam? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll I'll go along with Jay. Um, Goku is probably my favorite only because he gets the most characterization. He gets the most not reacting to his own act and everyone else is a straight man to goku is what happens with a lot of it that's very true uh i think i would give my second place to chi chi for the little bit she's in just because she gets her own jokes honestly for me it is very very close between three and i did not expect this chi chi goku oolong oh wow like i did not expect that the thing is it's pretty famous that Akira Toriyama has a bit of a vendetta against Chi-Chi. He wanted to write a girl character and hated her, which is sad because I think if the Chi-Chi that we got in this arc got developed, I think it would have been a fun character. And of course, Goku is... The thing I like about him is that like he's so innocent. Like The, the thing that he says at the end of his journey is... Uh, wow, the world is full of such nice people. After all the people used and abused him, he only sees the good in them. And that's so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's so like wide-eyed, innocent, and charming in the best way. So you can't not love Goku. But the thing about Oolong is I think he's the best straight man because he points out the problems that the other characters have too. Like yep. he calls Bulma out on her nonsense pretty constantly. Oolong has problems, but he's honest about his problems. Yeah. 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 Isn't Oolong like one of the youngest people in the group? Like he's younger than Bama, but he's still he's still the adult. <laughs> For some reason. Because he's got an RV. <laughs> Indeed. Your maturity level is determined by the size of your car. Oh god. 
Uh, Sam, your favorite character? As I stated earlier, Goku is the best. Whenever Roshi is around, he's delightful. I would not want to be around Roshi ever, <laughs> but watching his antics. I don't antics... know that I'd want to be around any of these people, truth be True. told. True. I feel like, Sam, you'd be safe if you were around Roshi. So, <laughs> well, you'd be safe. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> Roshi's antics are hysterical to me. The, the, the Kamehameha is a great moment. Yeah, Roshi, I don't think you could make him in a modern setting. Oh, no, no. As, as he appears in the... See, uh, but Mineta is worse than him is the thing, and Mineta is very modern. Yeah, but Mineta's not portrayed to be, like, a good person. He's not person. a creepy old man. He's I not mean, a savior, true. but... Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Let's wrap up with the final round of questionings. Jay, would you continue reading Dragon Ball? I already have. that answers that question (laughs) yes it's a really good series (laughs) and we know jacob has and sam yeah i would uh especially you know seeing it it, uh evolve over time i really want to get to uh piccolo yeah i i think i'm closer to that mindset than with jay and jacob I think if all I knew about Dragon Ball was what I read in the manga, I think I would have quit if I wasn't reading this for a podcast because I would assume the rest of it is just more of this. And I and I got bored of this. There is nothing in what we read that tells me there's going to be further story. The closest we get to the shades of what it will become is just the two chapters where Yamcha is the primary anti- well, three, technically. And those chapters don't give me any indication they want to do more fighting. It's just the joke they're doing for that chapter. And I I would have quit, is basically what I'm saying. But, of course, we know that's not the situation. I've read more of this. It's a good thing Arc 2 happened, because Dragon Ball would have not been a thing without it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm glad the anime adds the Pilaf gang in earlier, because... I like their humor. I don't like the rest of Toriyama's humor. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps us up. Thank you for listening, everybody, to the Over Manga Cast. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Over Manga Cast to know what we are reading and see our posts about it. And uh, I'm excited. The next one is going to be Hellsing. Oh man. I'm so excited for Alucard and the police scroll. This is gonna be great. There were if you thought read along with us in Dragon Ball and you thought, man, there aren't enough people ripped apart by demons. Don't worry. <laughs> we got you next week. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a long midnight walk through Helsing. Yes. A lovely moonlit walk. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.